real quick, just a reminder. Uh, so on Wednesday, second chapter of 1 Thessalonians. All right. And then also, I wanted to apologize for next week. Cause I, last week, excuse me. Because I, I looked at the video when I was doing the video and I was, I was going, uh, felt like I was going fast. So we'll come back and revisit some of that. May not have been fast for y'all, but it felt fast to me. And then uh, some of the things I felt like I probably should have took my time and expound on. Sometimes you get so much information and you're trying to slow down. She's shaking. She know. <laughs> you're trying to slow down, but it's hard sometimes when it's just coming. So, all right. So, but yeah. So we'll visit that in a couple of weeks because I'm uh, praying about it. I'm going to probably have some of you all speak the next couple of weeks. So be in prayer. <laughs> Amen. All right, so let's jump into this word. Like I said, I don't plan on being long. Uh, we're going to start from Acts chapter 2. Actually, we'll spend most of our time there. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We should all be able to find that easily. If not, table of contents. All right, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> And we'll begin at verse 40. All right, we there? Amen. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 2, I'll be reading all the way to 47. All right, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, and this is Peter speaking, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. I'm going to read 42 again. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and, all, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Amen. You know, we want to know how to grow a church. This is the way to grow the church. All right. It's not about commercials, not getting billboards. It's not about posters and things like that, but it's what they're doing here. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. So looking at verse 40, you know, Peter's, Peter's speaking, he's giving his sermon, he's saying, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. That word generation means age, but it also means nation. I mean, no, we live in a perverse generation today, Amen. right? So we all want to be saved. We're all waiting for that day to where we get to be with the Lord and we don't have to worry about what's going on. We don't have to worry about politics, crime aches and pains and things like that, right? And we're, we're all looking to be saved. Well, we are saved now, but we're all looking to, to be in the presence of the Lord. So I want to focus in on uh, verse 42. And um, they said here, 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So they continued steadfastly. Steadfast, steadfastly means unwavering, constantly, devoted to. Right? So they stayed devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Not just sitting there, but actually obeying what the apostles were actually teaching. They we were actually more at advantage than they were because they didn't have the scriptures like we have today. But we have it. So they actually had to go by what the apostles was teaching. And this is why when, you, when we read in the New Testament, they talk about false teachers quite often because you have people who were going around pretending to be ministers, pretending to be apostles, not teaching what the apostles' doctrine was, but teaching their own doctrine. And whether it was Paul, whether it was Peter, whether it was Jude, James, they all talk about false teaching. But today we don't want to talk about it. Today we're like, don't judge. No, scriptures say we are to judge what goes on in the house of God. That, that, that is our responsibility. Jude talks about how we are to contend for the faith. Right? We're to contend for these things. So they had an unwavering, constantly devoted to the doctrine. That word doctrine means teaching. Now, just imagine that morning, that day of Pentecost, that morning, they woke up with only 120 members in the church. So they went from, at some point that day, they went from 120 to over 3,100. Now, you had people who were coming from all over. Why? Because it's the Feast of Passover. So you had pilgrims in that area, right? So this is the reason why when they got, when they got saved and the Holy Spirit poured out on them, Guess what? Some of them didn't go back to their home country right away. Some of them stayed there. Right? Why? Because now they're growing, and guess what they're doing? They're fellowshipping. Right? They, they, they're fellowshipping. And these are, kind of, these are things that we tend not to do in the church today. We tend not to follow the doctrine of the apostles' teaching. Right? And then what else they, they, they did? They prayed. We tend not to pray in the church today. Right, so going back to fellowship, that fellowship, that, that word there is a Greek word called koinonia. Right, fellowship, the, koinonia means fellowship, it means communion, it means community, joint participation, it means to share in something. Now a lot of times when we hear fellowship, we're thinking, oh, just sitting down and eating food and things like that. But that's not necessarily what they were doing. They were actually getting to know one another. Right? And we tend to only fellowship a certain way. Right? Because time, sometimes, oftentimes, when we fellowship, we fellowship with our masks on. You hear me talk about those that have been coming here. We know I've been talking about masks and we got to let them. But we, they, they didn't think about to when you first got born again. How you had joy. How you were happy. You were not concerned about being judged by anybody. Right? Because, at least I wasn't. <laughs> Right, But now, after some time goes by, now we're more concerned about what people may think about in reference to our testimony. Why should we be ashamed of our testimony when the Lord delivered us from that? Right. So what are we concerned about? Right? It doesn't matter if you're an adulterer. You're no longer those things. Right? It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. You're no longer those things. You've been set free, born again, delivered, and we should testify from the mountaintops. So what are we concerned about? You know, when I was in polygraph school, one of my instructors, he, he would tell the class, he says, you know, he found out that I was a minister, and he said, you know, 
whenever I get someone that's a minister or a pastor or anybody, he says he rolls his eyes. And this is the reason why he rolls his eyes. He says because they usually end up failing the polygraph. Right? And I didn't quite understand. I said, well, shoot, maybe they're not born again. I don't, you know. But as I started to gain experience in polygraphing Christians, I realized what happened is because I give everybody the same spiel before I get the polygraph during the interview. Right? I said, you need to talk about some things. I said, there's nothing you can say that I haven't experienced or heard myself, right? So there's no need to be embarrassed because if you hold on to things for embarrassment, you're going to have issues when you get attached to that instrument. So whenever I get Christians in there, not all the time, but most of the time I get Christians, they may talk about some things that they did back when, but they breeze through it. Yeah, I did that, but I, I, I don't do that no more. What is there to be ashamed of? What is there to be embarrassed about? Right? And then they get hooked up and then they end up failing. And the unfortunate part is I get unbelievers that are more willing to talk about the things that they've done in the past. But why is it when we're Christians we want to stay guarded? I polygraphed uh, uh, I remember a young lady and she was homeless one time severely addicted to drugs at one time, prostituted herself. She couldn't even remember a lot of the people she slept with. And when I say she did drugs and got high thousands of times and sold her body hundreds of times, but she had no problem passing because she wasn't afraid. She knew that that was not her lifestyle no more. But when we come together, again, we stay guarded. Nah, they're going to judge me. But see, part of that fellowship it is us opening up and being able to trust one another. Now, sometimes, I get it, we may be one apprehensive, we may be apprehensive of some things. Why? Because sometimes when we hear stuff, we go back and we tell somebody else. Or we may try to want to fix the problem ourselves. We can't do that. Sometimes it's not meant for us to fix the problem. So it doesn't matter if you were an alcoholic one time, if you were a drug addict one time, tell the story. Tell the story. Why? Because that's what the Lord has delivered you from. Amen. You are no longer that person. Right. So what are we afraid of? Why are we holding on to those things? Why are we staying guarded? That's not true fellowship. And here's the other thing that gets me. So we'll hold on to things and then we'll come into church and we'll ask for prayer. Who needs prayer? Um, I got an unspoken prayer request. <laughs> All right? Unspoken prayer request. What is that about? We're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And I get it. You may not tell everybody everything. But see, because of the fact that we stay guarded and then now we're looking for the Lord to come in and heal us, deliver us, answer our prayers. But guess what? Take a look around. I said this a couple weeks ago. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus Christ right there. Why? Because we're the body. We're the body. So if we can't trust our brothers and sisters in Christ, and if we can't be trusted as brothers and sisters in Christ, what do we have? Amen. What do we have? Nothing. Nothing. Right? And that's why I talked about John. He says it straight. He said, look, well, you can't say you love God, but don't love your brother. 
Right? If somebody discloses something to it, it's not our business to go back and tell somebody else that. Our business should be to pray for them. Right, and then we again we shouldn't be so guarded. No matter what we've been through, if Jesus Christ has delivered us, that's the testimony. Why are we being guarded with the testimony what the Lord has done? Unless you're still doing those things. If you're still doing those things, then that's a little bit different, right? Then we really need to pray for you, right? Because there's some deliverance that needs to take place. So what took place here in Acts two? What took place is what Jesus actually prayed for. You can turn it if you want, but you don't have to. John 17, verses 20 and 21 says this. This is Jesus praying here. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The word of the apostles. Right? That they all may be one. That Again, that's fellowship. That we all may be one. Fellowship. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So this is something that Jesus prayed. So when the apostles came and they gave their doctrine, you know, as ministers, as pastors, even Christians, we should be unoriginal. It's not about what we're teaching about, but we should be teaching what, the, what we're getting from the scriptures. That's what we should be teaching. And again, that goes back to what the false teachers were doing back then. They were teaching their own message. Saying, hey, you don't have to worry about doing that. Don't worry. Go ahead. Worship those idols. Go ahead. Fornicate. Because the flesh is evil. Your spirit is saved. But that's not what the scriptures tell us. Right? So, like I said, fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. So they continue steadfastly in fellowship. So you're talking over 3,100 people who were going from house to house. For those that lived in the area, and remember I talked about how they were not from that. You, you had 3,000 that may not have been from that area. But those who were Christians opened up their houses to them. All right? I miss being in the house. Why? Because there's more intimacy in the house. I remember even on Wednesdays, People were more open. <laughs> People were more open when we were at the house. But now we come in here, we're a little guarded. Some of us was open, right? Some of us were there. We just wanted to hear everybody else's testimonies, but didn't want to give our testimonies. But that's not the fellowship. That's not how fellowship should be taking place. We should be open to one another. If you hurt, I hurt. If you're going through, I'm going through. Right? These are the, these are the, these are the things that If you're feeling pain, I should feel pain. Why? Because we're one body. Right? Not that I hear what you're going through. All right, I'm good. But sometimes that's what we do. Because we don't want to go through anything, per se. Right? But we have no problem coming in saying a prayer request for somebody else. You come up here. For somebody else, but then we won't be open and honest about the prayer request that we may need. And what we may be dealing with. With hardships, struggles. Sometimes we may be struggling. Somebody may be struggling with a spirit of lust. They should be able to come 
to another brother and sister in Christ for prayer without being judged. It is not our job to judge them in that aspect. But that's what we tend to do. Right? So, they continue in these things. They continued in steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. In prayers. So even as we come together on Wednesday, when we're praying, that's what we should be doing. We should be praying. Right? It's not about coming in here, talking, and things like that, but it's about praying. Coming together. Praying for this country. Praying for these are the things that we should be praying for that the church as a whole tends not to pray for. And then we wonder why this country is in the shape that it's in. Right? Our job is not to talk about the president. Our job is to pray for him. Amen. That's what the scriptures say. That's what we should do. That's our responsibility in that aspect. So they did all these things, and then they go to verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Why? Because they were open. The people were open. They didn't come in being guarded. See, if we come in being guarded, and then we want God to move, uh, cool. Yeah, God knows, but God wants. See, the thing is, the enemy wants us to not say things. That's how he torments us. When we're when we're when we're going through, the, the enemy's coming throwing these fiery darts. That's how he will torment us. But when we come and we confess it, there's a difference in that. There is freedom in that. There is liberty in that. And we we got to get out of the habit of basically. Our own pride. Our own embarrassment. Just like I said about the polygon. Our own embarrassment. What has he delivered you from? What has he delivered us from? There should not be no shame in talking about that. If Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, then we should declare it. We should scream from the rooftops on it. Look, yes, I once was blind. I once was lost, but now I see. Yes, I was running around doing these things, but I no longer do those things. Why? Because he set me free. He set me free. And that is a part of the doctrine, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. I need to talk about that. The breaking of bread. So, you know, there's two schools of thought with that in reference to it being a meal or being communion. Well, I'm all prone that basing on the context that's there, that one's going to be communion. That's going to be communion. Well, this is something they steadfastly did. Communion. Doesn't mean they did it every day or every week. And we can do it every day. Why? Because what's the purpose of communion? They keep us in remembrance of who? Jesus. Think about it. You think about what's taking place. Even when we get to December 7th, how many think about the bombing of uh, Pearl Harbor? Not many. We forget. Yeah, you do. Some of us, yeah. Well, you in the military. Yeah, I know you do. You in the Navy. <laughs> so, yeah. But those that may not have served may not even think about it. September 11th. How quickly have we forgotten? How many lives were lost? We forget. This is why Jesus wanted us to do communion. Why? To keep us in remembrance. This is the same reason why the Lord reminded Israel, hey, you do this, you, when this happens or, or this season, you're to do this. You're to celebrate these things. Why? So Israel wouldn't forget. And that is the purpose of communion too. So we don't forget. And again, 
That's the part of us being open. See, so quick and so fast, we want the signs and wonders, but what about obeying the doctrine? What about the fellowship? What about the communion, the breaking of bread? What about the praying? Right? When we do those things, now God is freely to move. Why? Because now we're open. We're not, we're not hiding things. And God can freely move. He can, he can do what He wants to do. Right? But we see God moving quite a bit in the early church. So ultimately, and I'm going to stop right there because I went over my time what I intended to, but we have to let go of the mass. We have to fellowship. And this is not for us even as we eat and we come and talk for us to tell everything. You know, but you talk as you were led to, to talk. <laughs> Amen? But if you want, you want to tell it, tell it. <laughs> right? But we're, we're to love one another. That is, a part of, that is a part of our loving one another. Listening. Learning about each other. And, and that is a part of what this is. And yes, we had more of this uh, when we were at the house. And hopefully we, we can do more of this more consistently now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. So let, let's bow our heads. Amen. Thank you, Father God.